Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The Mike Wise Show is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Mike Wise Show is hosted by a guy who played basketball atrociously for Hawaii Pacific College, which forced him into journalism. And, oh yeah, he wrote about basketball for the New York Times, the Washington Post, and ESPN. He's also a wise-ass, and so are many of his guests. Right, Mike? Thank you, Darlene. Welcome to the Mike Wise Show. This week, in the final episode of our four-part series on the North Carolina basketball family, we'll address the lasting influence of Dean Smith, who coached UNC for 36 seasons from 1961 to 1997. Our panel of UNC greats is back this week. George Lynch from the 1993 National Champs, who is co-founder of HBCU Heroes and a partner in Legends Brand USA. George Carl, who played at UNC in the early 1970s and coached in the NBA for 27 seasons. And if anyone from the Hall of Fame committee is listening, George belongs in Springfield. Matt Doherty played and coached at the school and is the author of Rebound from Pain to Passion, Leadership Lessons Learned. As our group of Tar Heel legends told my producer and co-host Bruce Bernstein, Coach Smith may have passed away in 2015, but his legacy endures with their new coach, Hubert Davis. So Coach Smith retired as coach 24 years ago, but his influence is still very much alive through the Tar Heel family. George Lynch, your college teammate Hubert Davis, is the new head coach at UNC. He also happens to be the nephew of Tar Heel great Walter Davis, speaking of family. So what are some of the characteristics that Hubert is going to bring to the program as the head coach? Um, I think I think that um, he will bring uh, continued the, the, the family tradition of, uh, of Carolina, what it means to to wear the uniform. I think uh, these I don't want to say this newer generation, but sometimes it's more to them about the individual status. And it's always been about team, uh, team success. Uh, with team success, you'll have a lot of individual success. And, and Hubert wants to get back to that, that message with the, with the youth of the day. And I think he would do a great job of it. When Coach Smith took over the program in 1961, he honored the legacy of his predecessor by continuing to recruit aggressively in the New York area. So the New York connection at UNC started with Coach McGuire almost 70 years ago. Matt, you grew up in East Meadow, Long Island, okay? Uh, when you were being recruited, then did the New York connection at the school resonate with you or had that era mostly sort of passed by? Oh, it resonated. Um, it, it resonated. You know, uh, I mean, I knew. I mean, Tommy Kearns, who started on the 57 National Championship team, was a big-time Wall Street executive on Wall, uh, in New York. So I knew, you know, there was another guy, uh, uh, Bill Harrison, who was a, a big-time banker in New York who played for Coach Smith. Um, Coach Smith had his tentacles all over the place, and that started with Coach McGuire in New York, and Coach Smith, um, you know, built on that. Um, New York was important 
to Carolina basketball. The Northeast was important. Um, you know, obviously the population was big up there and there were a lot of good players, you know, Eddie Fogler and Larry Brown and you go on and on uh, the, the New York, New Jersey pipeline, but you could say the Northeast. I mean, George being from Pittsburgh and, um, you know, we go back, jump back to New York, Billy Cunningham. Um, so yeah, that, that was important. And I think it was important too, to understand that, you know, you weren't the first to go from North Carolina. I mean, New York to North Carolina, you know, at that time it was, it was, you know, that's big. I mean, you know, I think even more so for George back in the seventies to go from Pittsburgh to North Carolina, that's the South, you know? And uh, my mother was worried about me losing my faith. You know, I'm an Irish Catholic kid from New York. It would have been easier for me to go to Notre Dame or Holy Cross. Um, but Coach Smith assured her that I'd go to church and, you know, um, so I'm, it's one of the best decisions I ever made to, to, to decide to go play basketball for, North, for Dean Smith at North Carolina. It's the best decision I ever made. I would have went to Maryland and been coached by Lefty Giselle. I think it'd be a total, my life would be totally different. All right, Coach Carl. All right, so you were a Pittsburgher, all right. And Sam Perkins, one of the all-time greats at the school, was a New Yorker, and he played for you in the NBA. And he shared this story about how you guys were so close that you even wore each other's clothes. Take a listen. Man, Carl was, well, he... <laughs> well, this is not. It has nothing to do with the store uh, basketball. That's fine. But so he forgot his clothes, and um, I mean, he, usually he has his. Uh, you know, coaches bring their clothes with them, and we went to Milwaukee, and so my locker is like the first one as you enter in. So he comes out, comes out with my sweater on my mock neck <laughs> that he stretched to to oblivious first off how upset were you about that i did not know <laughs> first of all i kept looking at him like he don't wear the mock necks so i ain't paying no mind we i don't even know if we won the game but the point when we got back to the locker room he takes the the damn thing off and he says perk this is yours he took somebody else's belt and said this is yours <laughs> He had somebody jacket and said, I, don't, I can't even remember. But I, all I remember is my stretch mock, my neck, my, my half neck turtleneck was stretched to oblivion because his big head went all through it and then his neck was bigger than mine. And I was like, no, you didn't. <laughs> and you know how, you know how coaches sweat profusely. This thing was oh, yeah. ringing. I could not wear it. Did you ever wear it again? No. Did it go right in the trash? Dog, I, I, I don't <laughs> even know what happened to it. All right, Coach. Did Sam ever ask to borrow your clothes after that? No, I'm not I'm not a clothes uh, junkie like Larry Brown and a couple other Carolina guys. I'm a, I'm a top of the pile guy. I hate I don't like wearing suits. I hate when you know when I put them on. I take I put them on about five minutes before I go out and take them off before five minutes after I get off the court. But that is a true story. I, I somehow forgot or whatever clothes I brought uh, didn't work. And I just went around and put together an outfit. Uh, 
And uh, yeah, Sam had nice stuff too. I mean, it was, it was expensive stuff, more expensive than I normally wore. Uh, but Sam was a great teammate. Uh, so much, so much fun in Seattle with him. And when we picked him up, it's kind of when we went from a good team in Seattle to a championship team and a contending team in Seattle. And and having a Tar Heel with you uh, is always fun in big games because they're, they're calm and but they're they're serious. They're they're not afraid of the moment. They got courage to play the defensive end of the court. Uh, and Sam was uh, so much prominent in our, our great run in Seattle, uh, and it was a lot of fun having him on. As he's probably the one of the closest guys I had in, in, in all my coaching because of our connection with Carolina. George Lynch uh, and Matt, I, I want to ask each of you. George, we're going to start with you. Do you have a, a, a humorous story about uh, interacting with any of the fellow uh, family members from UNC that just still brings a smile to your face after all these years? Oh, yeah. Uh, tons of them. Um, I remember my rookie year getting drafted by the Lakers, going from being a small town kid in Virginia, playing in a big stage in Chapel Hill, and then going to one of the most storied franchises in the NBA with the Lakers. Uh, I had James Worthy as a veteran. Uh, it was towards the end of his career, his last two years. And the the time that I jumped off the plane uh, for my press conference in LA, he was there to support me. He was like, look, if you need anything, you're part of the family, just let me know. Uh, when choosing, when choosing, they had this thing where they chose the rookie, the rookie had to do certain things for the veteran before and after practice. He made sure I was his veteran. Uh, he probably took it a little easier than some of the other veterans had. I mean, some of the other younger players had as a uh, as a gopher for the veterans. But uh, those memories meant a lot. You know, my first few years in the league, as you make your rounds through the NBA teams, you know, playing in Chicago, Michael would check on you. Uh, know the guys like Rick Fox, who was with the Celtics. They would always check on you and make sure that you had what you needed to be successful as a pro and it carried on. And uh, they let me know, you know, when, when it's your turn, when you got younger guys coming through, you should do the same thing. And that was part of the tra tra tradition uh, for, for the veterans who played at the professional level to bring, bring the young guys in and up at, you know, encourage them and, and show them the ways of the NBA. <laughs> Coach Doherty, you get the last word on this segment. Uh, humorous memories from uh, family interactions or just oh, something that stands you know, out? There's always uh, humorous, you know, just touching. Um, you know, I, I remember uh, Michael was getting ready to retire from the Bulls and I was working as an assistant for Roy Williams at Kansas. And I wanted to go see him play in a playoff game. And they were playing the Utah Jazz. They closed out the jazz. Uh, Michael and I and his wife at the time went to dinner uh, at a restaurant he owned. And uh, he let me take one of his cars. And I was staying at a hotel. He said, be back at my house at uh, 8.30, we'll play golf all day. Or 7.30, we'll eat breakfast, play golf all day. We uh, teed off at 8.30. We had a foursome. And we rolled our last putts in at 8.30 at night. We played 54 holes of golf, <laughs> 54. This is a day after a playoff game. 
<laughs> and I remember guy coming up on the golf. First of all, the phone rings. I'm with Michael in the cart and uh, phone rings. Hey, Tiger, how you doing? What you shoot today? Tiger Woods. This is in like 1996. Tiger played at the, uh, Byron Nelson. And he's calling Michael. And Michael said, yeah, he played here last week with me, set the course record. And then a couple of holes later, guy pulls up in a shirt and tie, drives away. I said, who is that? He says, that's the general manager. He says, President Bush, the father, was coming to Chicago and wants to play golf with me. And I said, well, what you tell him? He says, I don't want to play golf with the president. He says, he says, you got all these Secret Service men around. You can't be playing with your boys. It's not as much fun. I say, here's Michael Jordan just blew off the president of the United States. You know, um, yeah, 54 holes of golf. We teed off at 830, pulled <laughs> the last putts at 830, the day after a playoff game. Well, I want you to know when I played him in the finals in 96, he was playing 36 holes on a day of a playoff game and still go out and kick your ass. So, I mean, it was, it was a... He was an amazing athlete. Uh, you know, he could uh, he could push the limits of sleep. He could most push the limits of physicality, and still be an unbelievably great performer. And uh, I admire him for it. At one point earlier in this century, Michael Jordan was probably the best known athlete on the planet. There were places in the world with no TV, internet, newspapers, or even indoor plumbing, but people in every corner of the world knew MJ. But as famous as he would eventually become, Michael Jordan was just like every other member of Coach Smith's basketball family, a Tar Heel at his core. Dean Smith created a bond between Carolina basketball players and staff that has lasted for generations. And the family is strong, thriving, and still growing. It's a legacy that is unique in the history of basketball. Here's one final story from Tar Heel great Brad Doherty about what Coach Smith did for his players when he passed away in 2015. It's unbelievable. So we go and, uh, you know, we have his memorial service and I was so honored uh, by his family to, to be asked to, to speak on behalf of, of some of the guys. So it's myself and Phil Ford and, and Antoine Jameson. And uh, so we, we had that event in, in the Smith Center and it was unbelievable. Uh, you know, 20,000 people there and we we're telling Coach Smith stories and uh, saying goodbye. And uh, we go through that and do that. And then the next day, I go back home and I go into my office and there's a there's a letter on my desk and so uh, sat there for a little while. I wasn't paying no attention to it. something from Chapel Hill. I figured the alumni association wanting money again or something, so I, I just let it sit there. And uh, eventually, I get around to opening it, opening it that evening. And I open it up and it said uh, a letter from Coach. It said Bradley. He called me Bradley. He said Bradley. He said here's two hundred dollars. He said I want you to go out and have dinner on coach. And uh, it's unbelievable. Uh, and there was a check for 200 bucks made out to me to take my wife out to dinner. Uh, just unbelievable. And he did that for all of his players and, and managers who were under his guidance for those almost 40 years. So just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Even posthumously, we're in his thoughts. <laughs> you know? See. And uh, just remarkable, remarkable, remarkable person. That, folks, is what we call a drop-the-mic moment. We hope you enjoyed our four-part series on the Carolina basketball family. 
Special thanks to my producer and co-host Bruce Bernstein, as well as our editor, Kristen Woolley. If you enjoyed this series, we featured some selected video segments on our Pure Hoops Media YouTube channel. Go to YouTube and search Pure Hoops Media. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Wise. The Mike Wise Show used to be called The Wise Ass Show, but it remains a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.